it's really only when you do those things with this this deep loving sense of, of duty to helping other people that it really starts to flourish. Welcome back to another episode of Passionate Pursuits powered by Quarns Coaching, LLC. I'm your host, Bridget Quarns. Something I hope to do more often on the podcast is invite guests who have a very rich and diverse faith background to talk about the path that they've taken and how their faith has grown and developed. Today's guest is one of those, and I am so excited for you to get to meet him. He is just a wonderful human being, and I think you will learn so much from his story. Joining us today is Stephen Patrick Guagliardo. He is a spiritualist medium by calling and a historian by passion. Thank you so much for joining us today, Stephen. Very glad to be here. So we had a chat prior to this, and I really enjoyed your discussion of the way in which family and faith shaped your life and sort of your direction in life. So would you share a bit about your spiritual journey with us? I Yes, absolutely. I also love how you called the discussion when it was just me like ranting unhingedly <laughs> for like 20 minutes about stuff. It was so good. It went both ways, though, so it's okay. um well so I guess my family is very like very Italian American and I grew up uh practicing Catholicism and when I kind of explain that to people sometimes I feel a lot of other people's experiences with the Catholic Church is not the best (laughs) mine was mine was pretty good partially because I think a lot of it was very much like kind of Italian immigrant spirituality focused more so than like the institution of the Catholic Church. So I grew up with different aspects from different family members. So like my my mom would take us to to mass on Saturdays and she also really really is into believing in like angels and my grandma was very all about saints and stuff like that which I still am and she had um all these different statues around her house of saints and she would just kind of tell me about them in passing and so a lot of the those core beliefs of just goodness and like talking to the saints and angels and that just really populated spirit world filled with helpers and friends that Catholicism kind of has really really stuck to me and stayed with me pretty much my whole life. I love the way you said that, the populated spirit world filled with helpers and friends. That's such a <laughs> neat way to think about it and, and look at it. Um, what does that look like for you in your daily life? Well, um, I guess one of the other things to kind of go into was my my family was very like spiritualist adjacent is what I would call it, where my, my family didn't really go to like spiritualist churches per se they weren't members of that we we did all the catholic cultural catholic things and we would occasionally go to mass and stuff like that but my my whole my family my my mostly immediate family that i i was the closest with so like my grandparents and my parents and even like some aunts and uncles very 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 much into believing in things that are either spiritualist or very like close to spiritualism so like 
going to see mediums, uh, going to see psychics, believing in astrology, um, talking to the dead. Um, things like that were just so normalized in my life growing up. Um, I, I know from, I, I've lived in quite a few different states. And um, the thing that I've really picked up is that uh, for those that are either from a background of like Latino or Hispanic heritage, a lot of that is very similar to how I, I grew up with my Italian family, where it's sort of like you go to mass on Sunday and then you'll go like see a medium or go to a seance or something like that and just kind of keep these two worlds like together, but they kind of just occupy their own sphere of, of influence. And so you grow up thinking that like there's just spirits and friends on multiple sides of this spheres of existence life and the beyond and whatnot yeah so you talked about some spiritualist beliefs um i have a couple questions here and i think hopefully this will clarify for listeners who are unfamiliar with that um spiritualism and spiritism two different things correct yes uh yes and no okay (laughs) (laughs) so so i i love that you brought that up because um i could rant about this for hours (laughs) Um, so spiritualism developed in Western New York and it kind of became, this was in the late 1800s. It became one of the very first like worldwide religious spiritual movements because it developed right around the time where communication, literal communication, telegraphs and, and traveling between countries was becoming such a huge, much easier thing. And so this unorganized movement of people who were it was there was there was a political aspect there was a social aspect there was a religious aspect this made it to france where it was eventually codified by this individual who took the pen name of ellen kardec he kind of looked at this unorganized kind of movement of people some people were looking at things scientifically communicating with spirits others were looking at it philosophically or religiously and all of these these um these aspects are still around today like you have like parapsychology and things like that but what this what Alan Kardec did was he kind of uh codified this unorganized mass of chaos into kind of a coherent system and he termed it spiritism and he called it spiritism to differentiate between the very, very unorganized mass that was spiritualism at the time. However, to make matters more confusing, in America, there were other thinkers and writers who were doing the exact same thing that Alan Kardec was doing, and they were organizing this unorganized kind of spiritualist movement into different forms of spiritualism, but the difference was they didn't take a new name. So he distanced himself from the unorganizedness and called it spiritism. They just called their new organized things spiritualism. And so from then until now, it's still very like confusing with a lot of the terminology. The one thing that I, I can say about the difference between the two is um, Ellen Kardec wrote, all spiritists are spiritualists, but not all spiritualists are spiritists. So I guess the way you can kind of think of the two is spiritism and spiritualism are sort of like distant cousins, sort of like how you have the Christian umbrella 
and then you'll have like a Baptist and a Catholic. So they're both Christian, but they both have different styles of how they understand and relate to things. Perfect. That actually clarified it really, really nicely. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. So where did your passion for then the history of spiritualism in this area come from? So I've always really, really been interested in history, even since I was a little kid, especially history, history as it as it relates to the environment that I'm in. And I'm, I'm not sure why I love that so much. When I was a little kid, I would ask my grandparents to tell me everything about like their stories growing up and things like that. And, and they would tell me of them all the time. And I just had no problem just sitting and listening to them just repeat the same stories because every time they would repeat these stories, I'd learn, there's something new would come up because they would mention something. And so I took that idea of historical storytelling and it just applied to kind of my own spiritual beliefs about things. I really wanted to know, well, where did this come from? Who are who are these people? Like, it didn't just happen in a vacuum. There were living, real people that were involved with all this. So when I, I was born here in Rochester, moved to Southern California, and then I moved back here probably like 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more. And so when I got here, I had I had known about spiritualism from my family and things like that, and then uh, then telling me about it. And so I had already been kind of reading about like the background, the historical background, and such about it. But now that I was here, I I really wanted to like look more into things and learn about it. And um, at my previous church. Um, that I was a member of here in Rochester, I I got approached by the then president of it, who said like, hey, you know so much about this spiritualist stuff. Would you mind um, looking through our like archives and kind of helping us form like a narrative of this? And so I was like, okay, that's great. I get to look at old books. That's like my favorite thing in the world. Um, and so what started out as like this project to help um, really snowballed into this like really big thing that I've been doing. Um, I've been researching. It, it was initially just that church, but then it's it just went into like, oh, there were like tons of other churches and tons of other people that were here in Rochester and did all these amazing things and no one knows about them. No one talks about them anymore. And it was it was crazy to me that like all of these historical figures all these interesting events could have just been that easily forgotten. Like just, well, sometimes only a few generations. There were people from like a within living memory of like people that I had met who there's just nothing written about them. And so I guess what made me so passionate about that is just the storytelling. It's that telling these stories so that they don't get forgotten. One of the other things I, I am very big about is I don't like, the concept of sort of like hoarding knowledge, I find that very wrong where people will kind of do all this research and then put up like blockades of people to get it. So like what I've been doing since the start was for for most of for most of my research, a lot of the stuff that's like unfinished is not up, but a lot of the things that I've researched, I've put online and on the internet and people can read it and look it up. 
and it's awesome. And I've had a few people like contact me uh, who were like looking for like research on their family and genealogy and stuff. And they're like, hey, this is my grandma or this is my grandpa. And it was, it's been really cool to be able to kind of help that and see what people have to say about the things I've been researching. I'm curious, what is like the most surprising or exciting thing you've learned in the course of your research? There have been a few things. <laughs> so for instance, I really like, it's it's so weird because when you start researching some of these specifically people, you kind of develop this strange, like almost friendship with them. One instance was um I I wrote a I wrote a post about this girl from Rochester that was like it was in the 1920s and this 11 year old girl was ordained as a spiritualist minister and she was like profoundly psychic and all of this stuff and it was like this really big deal and I wrote about this and this woman contacted me and she was like yeah that's my grandma <laughs> and her and I guess her I think it was her and her mother or maybe her and her sister I'm not I can't remember but they contacted me and they were like yeah like we didn't know anyone even knew about this wow. <laughs> um and it was it was really it was really funny um some some of the things actually some some of them have actually been kind of more sad so one of the things was I wrote about um a church uh, that was here in Rochester in I think maybe the 1970s, maybe 1960s. And it was called uh, the Church of Spiritual Love. And it was a spiritualist church. And I was writing about the, the man that was the pastor. And I was talking to, to a friend of mine about it. And she is she's an older woman. And she's like, you know, I think I remember him. She was, you know, and she was telling me about him. And she mentioned that he died in very strange circumstances. And so I did another look into some old newspapers and stuff. And I found out that he probably most likely was killed in a hate crime um, for being um, LGBT. And uh, just no one talked about that. No one, I don't even know if people knew about it. So I, I wrote about that and posted that because things like that should not be forgotten. That's why history is so important because you have yeah. these figures that were involved locally that made an impact on things, especially if they were, um, a lot of these people ran spiritualist churches and they were healers and all sorts of things. So they actually helped people on a, on a slightly less sad note. Another interesting thing that I did find out was there was a church that was formed here in Rochester in the 1930s, and it was called the Open Door Spiritualist Church. And it was founded by a mother and her daughter, Leota, which I love that name, Leota and Dorothy Maxwell. They were both spiritualist mediums. They focused really heavily on healing with a mental health component they were basically helping people with mental health crises in the 1930s when this was just, that was just not done. And this was also during the depression that they were doing this. Yeah. So that was just fascinating to me too, is that these two women um, who were very prominent locally in the spiritualist community as healers and mediums, and they were helping people with their, their mental health 
back when even doctors were even kind of scoffing at that. Yeah. That's incredible. I think that really nicely ties into what we wanted to talk about with spiritualism's focus on charity. Yes. So um, spiritualism is interesting. At least spiritualism in America is interesting because there's not really a central authority to things. And so spiritualist groups will have a very loose definition of what the religion kind of is. So most churches will agree in like uh, like a declaration of principles or something like that. Um, but it's not quite like a creed like you would think of in like a Catholic or Christian sense. It's a it's very loose structure. And so when it comes to the core of of spiritualities in spiritualism, there's a wide variety of ways you can be a spiritualist. And I kind of compared this to, for people who are familiar with Catholicism, how you have the Catholic church, but then there's like the different orders in the church that have their own focus on different spiritual things. So like you have like the Carmelites that are super mystically devoted to things. And you have the Franciscans that are all about nature and helping the poor. And I don't know, you have like the Dominicans that are very into their um, preaching and missionary work or the Benedictines in their books. And so spiritualism is, is very similar in that um, sense where you have different teachers, different figures um, that push or promote or teach different things that they deem are important. And um, for myself, uh, I'm, I was very influenced by the writings of Allan Kardec when I was younger, which is from spiritism, but spiritualists can also believe in those things in his teachings um and uh his concept was just the incredible importance on charity um since since coming to rochester and being more involved with kind of american style spiritualism there's actually also a local figure a local woman who was a very famous spiritualist medium who also promoted that concept very very heavily and her name was uh, Emily French. And she was, is considered one of the greatest mediums that, and psychics that like kind of ever lived. And she was, she lived here in Rochester. Um, she was this, this woman that, um, she was an older, an older woman when people kind of like discovered her. <laughs> um, her friend, was named Edward Randall, who was a lawyer from Buffalo. And he was initially very skeptical of spiritualism. And he kind of was like, someone told him like, hey, you should go sit with Mrs. French. She knows she's really good. <laughs> and he did. And it completely, com basically made like a spiritual awakening in him sitting with her. Because the things that she could do were just in amazing. Like, she she was supposedly clairvoyant in that she could see things, but her big thing was that she was a, a physical medium, which means that she could produce visible effects of mediumship that other people could see. So like with clairvoyance, it's you know, like I you see things kind of with your inner eye and you're just relaying information. What she could do was this phenomenon called direct voice, which is that a an a voice is produced outside of her body like in 
in like the area around you that everyone can hear and it's and it's not like it's not the same as like ventriloquism and they did all sorts of um tests and things like that and the, and the other thing was supposedly this voice was like a very very deep masculine voice that would be speaking and she was a very sickly frail older woman that could probably not do this but the, the phenomena aside of, of how she did her mediumship the thing that's made her so well known was that her spirit guides would give these teachings on everything so god prayer ethics and things like that and her big thing that she also talked about was charity so personally i i kind of take those two those two pillars of like there's alan kardak and there's emily french for me and kind of have this importance of the idea of of charity and charity by both of these two individuals is not just you know like here's some here's some money <laughs> like it's it's not it's not about just throwing money at a problem and helping it hoping it'll go away charity is this deep abiding religious concept it's not just how you live it's almost like an aspect of god um i actually it's actually funny in the in the bible um there's that famous line in i think it's the first book of john and they talk about like god is love and in the Catholic Bible, which is in Latin, it's uh, Deus et Caritas, which is God is charity. Yeah. And so, like, they kind of had that idea where it's like charity is like the presence sort of of this divine spiritual essence. So it's sort of like when you when you live in a, a mindset that is that is charitable, caring for others, loving kindness, you really kind of just transform your whole being and the people around you into something positive. Spiritualism has this very deep philosophy of God and ethics, but I, I feel a lot of the time it tends to just get reduced to like mediumship or healing. And it's really only when you do those things with this, this deep loving sense of, of duty to helping other people that it really starts to flourish and so my group that I'm affiliated with which is the Rochester Spiritual Society I feel that that's something that we really kind of put to practice which is that like what everything we do whether it's it's our Sunday services or um mediumship groups or things like that is really genuinely done with like just this inner sense of wanting to help people and help you in whatever ways that we can and utilizing whatever skills we have and so that's that's what i think really is kind of like the, the big message that spiritualism has to share and help people and that's kind of why i love writing about it and doing all these things with it so much it's that it, it really is a passion <laughs> to, to be helping at helping people in, in lots of different ways. That was so beautifully conveyed. <laughs> I, I hope that, you know, I, I just think that there are some people who are perhaps maybe like frightened of, of what they don't understand or what, maybe they even have been taught is, is not God or is, you know, a negative thing or whatever you want to 
whatever labels you want to put on it. But I love the focus and the way that you just wrapped that up because it really captures the beautiful essence of how we can look at this in a way that is wholesome and good and and also just that can be loved and accepted and supported by people of all different walks of faith or none. You know, I don't think that anyone would disagree that love and charity and and the spirit of that is a good thing and that everyone should embody that. Yeah, um absolutely. Um one of the well, one of the things that I again I love about spiritualism and my my group in particular uh is that um any anyone can can be a spiritualist there there is no um there's no like saying that you can't be christian and a spiritualist or you can't be buddhist and a spiritualist uh we actually wrote into my group's bylaws that you you can you can still have your membership in whatever church you want and you can just come get what you need from our group whatever it may be and you can be a member of both. You don't have to. You don't have to give up the things that are important to you to to be uh, a member of of spiritualism. Because and I I I haven't. I I love. I still love a lot of my my own personal um, aspects of spirituality that are kind of unique to my own background. And everyone in my group, it's it's, it's fun because everyone in my group has all sorts of different backgrounds. Uh, of spiritually and things like that like so for me i i have kind of with spiritism and also catholicism and then there's other people who are like reiki masters and like former presbyterians or all sorts of things and it's great because you get all of these people that are just coming together to help people with such wonderful diverse backgrounds and it makes it so much fun because you just have the the thing that brings everyone together i guess is just that concept of kind of charity and helping people um and it's it's wonderful and that's one of the positive things i really love about the spiritualist community in general is that uh it's not as spooky as i guess people tend to think <laughs> also i think if a lot of people were honest they've had experiences with like for example the spirit world in their lives that either they've written off or they don't talk about, or they haven't yet incorporated. I think it's an invitation to just peel back the layers of what and who God is and realize that God is such a multifaceted, multi-layered essence that we can understand in, in many ways and approach in many different ways. It reminds me of a, a podcast I was listening to. I really, really love a pastor and a philosopher walk into a bar. Um, and I really love, I really love God and autobiography as told to a philosopher. So I have a very like big philosophical bent in my life. And same, same. <laughs> yes, yes. And in, in God and autobiography, they talked about this idea in theology, that there is like exclusivism, inclusivism, pluralism, and then they added another category to that. So I, I would love to just chat with you about this for a moment. They said love that it. theology can be exclusivist where it's one religion is correct. 
theology can be inclusivist, which is like saying, oh yeah, you know, all of the religions are saying the same thing and they really could just kind of be rolled into one universal religion. Or it can be pluralist, which is like pointing out that each have some aspect of the truth. But then they added this category of complementary, like complementary complementarianism, where religions are distinctive, yet they can learn from one another. And they're like pieces of a bigger puzzle. And they're sort of each of them exposes or explores a facet of God. And together, they become a more complete picture. So I'd love to hear what your thoughts are maybe on that. I, lo- I, I love that position and all of the, I love talking about stuff like this. Um, <laughs> so I, I, you know, I don't speak for, I, I don't speak for all spiritualists. So this is definitely my opinion. Um, so I think that kind of, the, the, that third option, uh, what was it called? Um, the third is pluralist. Yeah. Each have some aspects. Oh, no, no, no. You're right. The last one. Oh, the, the fourth, com- the complementary yeah. theology I, is complementary. I think that really does fit into spiritualism for the, for at least for the majority of thinkers and authors that I've read the idea that there is kind of like a layers of layers of truth and layers of being that we kind of experience. One of the things, one of the things that I kind of like about spiritualism, one of the many kinds of things I like is the, the very practicalness of it. And so there's this kind of understanding that because life is only a tiny little fraction of our experience that we are going to experience or have experienced, it's the idea that the, the truth, big capital T (laughs) that we experience in this life is kind of like a elementary school version of truth. (laughs) um in the sense of like you know when you go to elementary school and they teach you like science and you learn like these very 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 simplified concepts in science and then you like go to the next one and you learn more and more that's kind of the the spiritualist concept of just everything there's a what they call eternal progression where like you eventually whether in in this life and also your next state of existence you you learn more because your consciousness expands because you're not in the same state of existence that you were in the past. And that, like I said, can be true while you were living or in spirit. And so uh, there's all sorts of um, interesting literature that talk about like contact with individuals who have passed into spirit and they sort of, They've said things sort of just like, like, oh yeah, everything that I learned is like, like, like just expanded so much more that just their, their experiences now are just so different that they had to like rethink and relearn everything. So it it wasn't, it it was almost to me, like there's those layers, like you said, where we complementary each other and then multiplied that into like our state of existence. So I guess I like the idea that we're all sort of sharing and learning from each other because there's still so much more to learn and we're still kind of like in the equivalent of like a preschool talking about like, you know, what colors are 
<laughs> as opposed to like the level the levels of kind of truth that may eventually open up to us if that makes any sense <laughs> yeah yeah that makes I mean it makes sense to me <laughs> <laughs> but I just things that I have thought about lately are we all want to say that we're approaching some understanding of God but we're not <laughs> like we no, can't I, I, I we totally, can't totally you understand know? what you're saying um you know together maybe as we all share our truth we'll each have a tiny little like shard of possibility of what God might be but but still you know still it's like looking through a, a broken magnifying glass <laughs> I um I'm very much of the mindset that, and this again, just me, that sort of knowledge of God is more limited to experience than mm -hmm. talking about things. <laughs> so, yeah. So to me, like the more you like, you know, quote unquote, know God is more of experiencing God yeah in these in these spiritual states that we can um gather through all sorts of different things yeah um but it's more of just an, an experience and i think again that relates to kind of full full circle what you're saying about these different religions because i think people are different and so the way we experience god is different these different religions exist because we kind of need these plurality of, of experiences to understand God, but they all are kind of experiencing a similar thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> totally agree with that. I mean, God is always seeking to have relationship and reveal God's self to us. But since we are these like really broken receiving <laughs> vessels each of us is going to see that experience and then in just trying to convey that experience we're going to screw up again so then it gets you know mistranslated i like these subtle references to kabbalah with, with that <laughs> um one of the things i one of the things i think that's kind of a strength of just I, and i'm not you know tooting the horn of spiritualism for everything i think everyone should be able to experience their own things that make them comfortable but for me one of the things that I like about spiritualism is that you can have these multiple different experiences especially because as a tradition like philosophically spiritualism is kind of spiritualism is kind of interesting because there are rituals to experience God and relate to things but they're more created from like the ground up so like the top down from like people who are more philosophical and stuff like that, it's very, very plain. Like, like they talk about, you know, ethics and prayer and things like that, but there are no like institutionalized rituals. So like, um, I guess an example of that would be like, you know, in, in Catholicism, there's very much an importance on like you know, baptism and things like that. There aren't really any like sacraments in spiritualism, but there <laughs> are, and they're like created by the individual spiritualists who are like we need some rituals in this 
this. And it's it's fascinating because I guess there's the, that way of thinking leaves open a lot of creative opportunities for interesting ways of people as either a group or individually to like relate with God on kind of a like ritual praxis purpose type thing. Let's get into that idea of, <laughs> of, of ritual and devotion. How have those concepts sort of shaped your life and spiritual life? So I, again, I bring a lot from, <laughs> I bring a lot from like kind of that Italian immigrant Catholic experience. But again, like this history and these practices have a space within spiritualism because it's been around for a while. So there are like rituals that have developed and things like that. And there's a whole fun history to them. Funny enough, one of the one of the older kinds of rituals that actually did develop in spiritualism was probably around the 1920s through like the 1940s. This process developed. And it was people were coming to spiritualism who were from mostly Catholic backgrounds, but there was also um, an, uh, some aspects from uh, Judaism and also like some holiness Protestant movements where they kind of started creating like little altars, like little candle altars and candle burning. And candle burning became like this big thing in spiritualist churches for a very, very, very long time. It still is, though it's may has kind of receded more into the private sphere of devotion, more so than in like the public sphere. But if you went into like a spiritualist church back in the day, depending on what type of spiritualist they were, it would would look something very similar to Catholic church with their altars to like the Virgin Mary um, or saints and things like that. Or it would have statues of like spirit guides. So you'd, you'd have like, which would just be various individuals kind of like, so you may have had a statue of like a Native American or just an individual that was like a philosopher or something and like, like Socrates or something, just like a random statue placed on an altar, like, like a Catholic one. And so for me, that that's a big thing because like, that comes from like Catholicism where the, where you burn candles and like say prayers and stuff at the altars. Yep. Um, I, I absolutely love that. I've, I've written a little bit about that too, because it's, it's one of those concepts in spiritualism. That's, uh, more of an oral tradition. There are some little pamphlets and stuff on it, but, um, it's, it's just something that was done for so long, but no one ever really thought to talk about it. <laughs> I love that. So like for me personally, I have like a little altar. I have several altars actually. <laughs> and they have like, you know, statues of saints on them. I actually think I have my one posted on my Instagram actually. And I have like statues that my grandma gave me. They were like uh. important things for my family. Um, and I will like regularly go like, they call it like, setting lights is the term. I will regularly go like set some lights and just kind of abide in that like quiet feeling and prayer one of the big things that my group does is um we do uh we we have like a healing um ministry where we take names every week and uh send healing to people and there's and again there's there's 
there's no set way of how to do this. So we have people that practice Reiki who who will go do their Reiki and send it to people. And then there's me, which is what I do, which was I will go light some candles and usually go say like a prayer in front of my altar that has like statues of like spirit guides and saints for healing and stuff on there. And so it's wonderful because you have all this space for this ritual diversity of different aspects from different traditions that are all taken in and that kind of um, put into a spiritualist context. I love it. It's so neat. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I have a couple more. These are like my curiosity questions. Yes. Um, I'm here for it. (laughs) So, yeah. So what is possibly like the most peace-giving thing that you have learned like from spirit or from your guides? That is an interesting question. <laughs> Lately, uh, I've been dealing with quite a few different things in my personal life that have caused things to be a bit stressful. And um, my like friend slash teacher slash mentor had always been telling me to read this um, this one book uh, that I, I had known about for a while. And it was uh, The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence, uh, I think it's Scoville Shin. And she was kind of a, a new thought writer um, in like the 1920s. And there was this passage in the book that I really, really liked. And it was sort of, it was when you when you feel like overwhelmed, you kind of affirm to yourself peacefully, like as like a meditative technique, like an affirmation that was, I cast my burdens on the Christ within. And however you want to say it, because I've kind of changed the wording a little bit just to fit my own like way, I think. But I like the idea that is sort of like, you can take these emotional, mental things and take a breath and just let them dissipate because it's not going to make the problems necessarily go away, but it'll make the mental baggage that you really don't need <laughs> go away. Cause it's sort of like, I know that there's things I need to worry about, but I don't really need to actually be in a state of dread to worry about them. They're there. I can focus on how to deal with these things, but I don't need the, the anxiety to be there. Um, And I know that's, again, I know that's not something everyone can do. Everyone is different, but it, it helps me. And I, I kind of feel that um, that concept is, is very much a part of, is also in spiritualism. It's, it's just worded a bit differently. And actually that book is often used by spiritualists. Actually, there's a lot of overlap between like the new thought movement and spiritualism they sort of developed philosophically together at the same time in American history. And so you'll often see a lot of spiritualists using books like um, Florence Shin or um, I'm trying like Ella Wheeler Wilcox um, is another one or um, uh, what's his name? Um, I'm trying to think Joseph Murphy, who was like the power of your subconscious mind and th- things like that. Like a lot of those books are very, very popular in spiritual churches because the- they philosophically like develop basically together. So mm-hmm. a lot of those concepts of 
sort of mental wellness and things like that are are very much um a spiritualist thing my my friend and kind of like mentor um her teacher would teach from that the florence shin book and she was a pastor at one of the spiritualist churches here in rochester too so that's just a fun little factoid there (laughs) yeah i'm i will put those books in the show notes i love to give book lists you know here's the books we mentioned here's the podcasts here's the thought leaders you know (laughs) go explore them for yourself and and enjoy love reading (laughs) yeah um all right is there anything else you feel you'd like to share anything else that we didn't touch on that you think is important um I think one of the things that I do kind of want to mention is that um, there's this weird, (laughs) there's this weird belief uh, that spiritualism is like this relic from like the 1800s and this Victorian thing that died off. It's very funny because you'll see the way you see spiritualism in the media is usually a Victorian seance that's all gothic and macabre and so over the top and like as campy as possible. And while I absolutely love that, <laughs> I, I love that, it is not the whole picture of things. Spiritualism is very much a living spirituality and very, very, very diverse in how it's practiced. It's all over the world. You have different traditions because there's American style spiritualism And then uh, there's spiritualism through spiritism as practiced by like Kardec. Then there's traditions from Kardec that made it to like the Caribbean. So you have like a spiritismo from Puerto Rico and a spiritismo from Cuba. And it's fascinating because all of these things are, are so culturally different, but they all are so similar in the, the idea of the idea of basically like faith, hope, and charity, where it's all about just, spiritual development for yourself and helping others and healing and Rochester is kind of like a center of all of these things together and so it's so fun to like live here and see like all of these different traditions that started that had their origin point here that are still here and the thing that kind of like really just brings everyone together is that inner spiritual drive to help people that is really like i think the biggest part of spiritualism that i think people really miss out on because i think they see like i said it a lot of things kind of reduce it specifically just like mediumship you'll see mediums on tv and things like that that are giving just messages and then you know the people start crying because of how accurate they are things like that which is it's wonderful because it is it's a healing experience but there's so much more so much more to it and just how how deep this tradition is um with all sorts of things uh mysticism and things like that but um the part that i love that i feel like people really should focus on is just that sense of charity like what we talked about where it's it's all about helping each other because we're all here and we're all part of this community and family is living people and those who are not living that we're all still sort of on this shared existence and we're here to help each other that is just something I treasure and I hope other people 
can maybe look into that to ex experience that spiritual presence of God that you get from embracing that. Um, the woman that I mentioned earlier, Emily French, uh, in one of her, so she didn't write any books, but Edward Randall did. And there's a book called um, Frontiers of the Afterlife by Edward C. Randall, which is written by him, but it has like the teachings that Emily French kind of offered. And they both talked about the concept of development through charity, which is that like you spiritually develop yourself and your soul and others through through charity. And one of the, the phrases that her guides brought through was something like, you make one's life the embodiment of charity. So it turned into this transformative statement where you just, you the goal of spiritualism is basically that, to kind of make yourself a vessel for charity, which is sort of like an emanation from God. And you become close to God by becoming close to others. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I think that, again, it captures this idea that all of these traditions and religions and cultural practices have something to offer. And the fact that when we bring them together, we can maybe get closer at approximating the capital T truth. Yeah. <laughs> because we're all saying things that sound remarkably similar, but have come from very diverse people, places, times. So that's that's exciting to me. It's exciting to me too. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for it? Here come the rapid fire questions. Oh God, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you even had a heads up and, and you still gave the same response everyone gives like, oh, oh my gosh. Okay. I know. <laughs> um, oh man. So we already kind of addressed this, but if you want to choose one more, that's totally fine. What is one book everyone should read? like in general like just yep um okay um this this is hard i knew this question was gonna come and i don't i don't know um okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a limb and say i actually think most people should read emma by jane austen awesome <laughs> or just watch the movie clueless because it's the same <laughs> read the book first guys read the book first. <laughs> uh this coming from a former high school english teacher okay next is a goal something one reaches or continually strives toward totally um continually continually strives for um i do think you can set little goals but i think like those small goals that you can achieve are like usually part of like a bigger goal um, along the way that's usually I think how things tend to tend to be at least they are for me yeah totally agree with that yeah what is your favorite Rochester food okay <laughs> I'm not gonna say the one that I think everyone thinks <laughs> because I am not gonna be that person I recently found out that one of my favorite things growing up because you know my, my family is my family is super Italian uh Chicken French. I mm. had no idea that that was like only like a Rochester thing. Like, like I, cause I talked about it with a, a friend of mine who's a foodie 
And I was just like, oh yeah, I really met, like my grandma used to make chicken French all the time. She's like, what is that? <laughs> and I was just like, it's it's chicken French, you know? And he's like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so I looked it up and apparently like, it's like a really specific thing in Rochester, wow. like this area. I had yeah. no idea, but I, I'm going to say that, especially as like a shout out to my my grandparents' memories because like that was something my grandma would make all the time and I really miss it. <laughs> mm. Where's so where's the best place to get chicken French, in your opinion? There's a lot of really good Italian places in Rochester. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start a fight and say that there's a best <laughs> place. But I will say that my favorite little Italian spot is uh Nick's, which is down in Seabreeze on Culver Road. I absolutely love it there. Um, It's awesome. (laughs) If you like Italian food, you should go there. (laughs) Perfect. Love it. Who has deeply inspired you? Um, that is, that is difficult. I have a lot of, I have a lot of people in my life that I think have inspired me for different things. Um, I, I don't think I can actually answer. I don't think I have the time to just answer that. But I just, I have a lot of really wonderful people that I've encountered in my life. And I just shout out to all of them because they probably know who they are. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's perfect. All right. This one's really left field. Are dragons real? Um, <laughs> I was just watching something about Komodo dragons on YouTube. So I guess those are real. <laughs> so why not? <laughs> Komodo dragons can be real. Why are we discriminating against ones that fly and breathe fire? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I once asked someone if unicorns were real on an episode, and I don't remember the answer actually, but it was an interesting one. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they're real somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If any of our listeners would like to connect with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Definitely Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> because um I do have I have my I have a website which is Stephen Patrick Spiritualist. Um uh but that and that has all of my links to everything on it. But the my my main thing that's the easiest way to contact me because it's like it sends everything right to my phone is my Instagram, which is also Stephen Patrick Spiritualist. <laughs> um yes. I would also say I also I also want to throw in there though. Um, if you are interested in like spiritualism or anything like that, my group, my, my, uh, that I'm associated with, uh, is the Rochester Spiritualist Society. And the, we have a website, which is the Rochester Spiritualist, it's Rochester Spiritual Society.org, um, which again has our links to everything on there. But the Facebook is where we like our, our, our Facebook page is the most thing that we're constantly updating all our events and stuff like that. And that is, again, just Rochester Spiritual Society on there um, because, um, like, it's, you know, there's me and then there's also my group, which is much, it is a bigger than just I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to put all of those links and all of the goodies that we talked about and mentioned. I'll make sure they're all in the show notes so people can easily access them. But if you are not a visual person and you are an auditory person, Stephen is spelled S-T-E-P-H-E-N and Patrick is P-A-T-R-I-C-K. Um, one other one other thing, and I'll probably send you the links so you can add up there, is um, again, if you go on my website, I also have links to my blogs up there. Um, so, And I have two of them where I write about different things. 
But the one that I did mention is um, it's a rock city spiritualist, which is where I put pretty much all of my research on uh, Rochester spiritualist history. Awesome. Well, thank you again. This was a lot of fun and I'm so glad that we finally got to do this. Thank you. It was wonderful getting to like meet you and everything. Yes, you too. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of Passionate Pursuits, powered by Corns Coaching, LLC. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe now. This show is completely ad-free, so if you gain value from listening, please leave a review and share with a friend. I am so grateful for you.